is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. It is uh, exhausting watching TV, isn't it? It's exhausting. This guy said this. This guy said that. What about this? What about that? I mean, it's full employment for uh, slip-and-fall lawyers or former federal prosecutors. And it's exhausting. And the media not only won't help in terms of getting through this, the media stokes it. And so I feel it's time to step back and take a serious look at some of this. Rudy Giuliani has said that From his perspective, anyway, the President of the United States will not sit down with the special counsel and his team for questioning because there really doesn't seem to be any basis for it. The President is free to fire Comey. Uh, The information Mueller appears to want can be gotten from other sources. So what's the point of the President sitting down? And he's exactly right. But there's more than that. As you know, here on this program, I was the first to point out, what, 18 months now, I guess, that according to the Department of Justice's official position, a sitting president cannot be indicted. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what law professors think. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. The official formal position of the Department of Justice in two memos one during the Nixon administration, one during the Clinton administration, neither of which has been changed in any respect, is that the President of the United States cannot be indicted while he's in office. Even if you think that's constitutionally unsound, that is the position of the Department of Justice. Mr. Rosenstein, as the acting Attorney General for these purposes must comply with the position of the Department of Justice. Even more, Mr. Mueller, as a condition of accepting his appointment as a special counsel, must comply with and enforce the rules, regulations, and procedures of the Department of Justice, just as if he was a United States attorney. So then the question is about these sub-issues. If a president of the United States cannot be indicted, according to the position of the Department of Justice, for what purpose, then, is Mr. Mueller, an employee of the Department of Justice, questioning the president of the United States to issue a report? Well, he's not in business for the purpose of issuing a report, even though he issues a report to the Department of Justice when he's completed So what is the purpose of questioning the President of the United States? Is it because they want to discern something? They want to learn more information? Then that should be very straightforward. There shouldn't be a need for all this back and forth debate and discussion. Just give them the ten questions or the five questions and they'll answer it. But Mueller doesn't want to do that. 
One thing is for sure. The purpose of the special counsel is not to serve as an individual who provides a requisite case for impeachment. That's not his job. He's a prosecutor. He's a prosecutor. Now, if I'm wrong about all this, I'm not. But if a court rules that I am, if the Supreme Court rules that I am, then it gets incredibly complex. If the Supreme Court says that the President of the United States must sit for an interview by his own subordinate, then the Supreme Court has to tell us what the conditions are. Are there no conditions? Are there some conditions? Must it be in front of a federal grand jury? Can it be the sort of interview that Bill Clinton acceded to? The issue is about the details at that point. How would such an interview be handled? Is there a subject matter limitation? Or is it open-ended? Is there a time limit? Or is it open-ended? And as process issues arise, as objections arise, who handles that? You go into federal district court, it can be appealed to a circuit court, appealed to the Supreme Court. Just how far does this go? To what extent is the Supreme Court going to sit as a as a trial court at this point. Now that would be a horrendous usurping of our constitutional order. Horrendous. In that case, the Supreme Court itself would become incredibly powerful, more powerful than it is is even now. So this isn't just about an interview with the president. This is a complicated matter. It could become even more complicated. And the Constitution could be further damaged by an irresponsible prosecutor, a special counsel by the name of Robert Mueller. I would counsel the president and his lawyers as I have from day one. Do not sit down for an interview. Mr. Mueller isn't even investigating a serious case. We're now down to whether or not there was one meeting, two meetings, Don Jr. was there, did Trump know about his son's meeting, didn't he know about it? None of it matters. None of it. None of it's criminal. Mr. Mueller's investigation isn't an investigation simply to determine the extent to which There were meetings with Russians and so forth and so on. He's a prosecutor. He's not an ombudsman. He's a prosecutor. You either have a prosecutable case or you don't. And he may not like this. And his subordinates may not like this. And former federal prosecutors may not like this. And federal judges may not like this. But it is the position of the United States Department of Justice that a sitting president of the United States cannot be indicted. And if Mr. Mueller tries, he has violated the rules, the position of his superiors, of the United States Department of Justice. He's not free to do that. 
Moreover, in addition to that argument, the president's lawyers can make the constitutional argument. Now, what constitutional argument can they make? The very argument that the Department of Justice has made to itself on two occasions. On two occasions. That's the first point. The second point, and I'm sorry that Kellyanne Conway's husband is such a uh, knucklehead, but that's his problem, has been raised by Professor Calabrese and me, which is, given the power that Mr. Mueller is exercising, extraordinary power, more than any United States attorney that I'm aware of, negotiating with the president's lawyers on whether or not he will be interviewed in a criminal case. No U.S. attorney has been doing that. He is clearly a principal officer of the United States government. An inferior or subordinate officer of the United States government wouldn't even be in a position to negotiate with the president's lawyers about an interview. Would not even be in a position to do so. That's say, well, what about an assistant United States attorney? Assistant United States attorney couldn't do this without approval from the U.S. attorney. So in many respects, Mr. Mueller sits as a U.S. attorney, but actually more powerful than a U.S. attorney. Now, you'll listen to some of these TV lawyers, former judges in some case, and they'll tell you this was decided in Morrison versus Olson in 1988. This was decided 30 years ago. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. This special counsel is different than all the special counsel before him. There's not even a federal statute, as with Ken Starr in the independent counsel statute. He was appointed by the deputy attorney general, serving as the acting attorney general. And the appointment was flawed from the moment it was issued. It was way too broad, and there was no criminal foundation. And it's only gotten broader since. And you have an individual on Robert Mueller who has the capacity to create a significant constitutional problem, a constitutional crisis in this country. An inferior employee of the United States government cannot do so. Cannot do so. He has far more power than an assistant Attorney General at the Department of Justice. He has far more power than an Assistant Secretary of Agriculture. He has far more power than the vast majority of presidential appointees who require confirmation by the United States Senate. And I will continue to make the case that this was a flawed appointment by Mr. Rosenstein. And Mr. Rosenstein has failed to keep this public official within his governing limits and thereby violates the Appointments Clause of the United States Constitution. And that is a very, very crucial provision of the United States Constitution, where the President of the United States could appoint virtually every single senior official, including cabinet and sub-cabinet officials, without going to the Senate for confirmation. This special counsel 
is different than the other special counsel. This special counsel is different than previous independent counsel. He is the most powerful that I've ever seen. And his authority is not statutory. So they can't even rely on that. This is the kind of discussion that's necessary all over cable TV. This is the kind of discussion that's necessary all over talk radio, in the columns of newspapers, in blog sites, and so forth and so on. Because in the end, this is what it's going to come down to. Not getting into the weeds and listening to every harebrained argument. Mr. Manafort goes on trial tomorrow in the Eastern District of Virginia. Mr. Manafort goes on trial for events that took place before he was campaign manager to Donald Trump for four months. For events that occurred before Trump even announced that he was running for president of the United States. To further underscore the point I just made, why is Mr. Mueller prosecuting Mr. Manafort when that could be handled by a United States attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia? Why is Mr. Mueller subsuming the position of the U.S. attorney, taking this case in lieu of the U.S. attorney? If I am Trump's lawyers, and I know they listen to this program, this is yet more evidence and significant evidence that Mr. Mueller is a principal officer of the Department of Justice, not an inferior public official. He's a principal officer. Because now he's stepping in the shoes of a United States attorney to prosecute Mr. Manafort. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Concern about our constitutional order, what's left of it. If you're concerned about separation of powers, if you're concerned about the ability of a president of the United States to do his job while in office, then why wouldn't you raise these concerns? Why don't the media raise these concerns? The Democrats raise these concerns. The never-Trumpers raise these concerns because they don't worry about it. They're not concerned about it. They'll find some outlier lawyer or outlier professor who will dismiss all this, and they'll embrace it because they want to. It's not whether I think a sitting president of the United States can be indicted. It's whether or not the Department of Justice thinks so. Now, let me add another point. The Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, recused himself as to matters involving the campaign in Russia. But the Attorney General of the United States is doing a grave injustice to the Constitution and the nation by sitting silently on what are these significant constitutional issues and if they're decided the wrong way it'll have grave implications for the future of this country 
There is no reason that Jeff Sessions can't step in. Not to get involved in the investigation per se, but to get involved in the nature of these constitutional questions. And yet he's silent, absolutely silent. I've never seen anything like it. There is no reason that Congress, created under Article 1, shouldn't hold hearings and call Mr. Mueller to testify. Not about the specific evidence he has or thinks he has, but on these constitutional questions. For Congress to sit there and allow this thing to potentially explode without participating in this is unconscionable. Instead, we have four Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Grassley and Graham included, who voted to protect Mueller. This isn't about protecting Mueller. This is about the Constitution. Nowhere. Is there or should there be a roving prosecutor? Nowhere. Or should there be a man of this kind of power who is a public official who wasn't confirmed by the United States Senate? And yet the Republicans, they control the place. They just sit there. Or worse. I'll be right back. Show where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877 381 3811. Now, when you hear somebody like Trey Gowdy or Paul Ryan say, Let Mueller do his job or let the investigation take its course, these are people who have very little knowledge of what's going on here constitutionally, or don't care. In other words, let Mueller do whatever Mueller's going to do. Why? Why? Is he some kind of a god? I don't understand that. Is it not possible that he is exercising or may exercise authority that he doesn't have? Why would Congress sit back? Should we pretend he's the former administrator of the EPA? Would that excite them? No, you don't let him do his job or let the investigation take its course if the course is leading into a serious constitutional problem. We expect Congress to step up. And Congress should not confer all this power on the Supreme Court. Congress has a role. It is a co-equal branch. Congress created the Department of Justice. Congress funds the Department of Justice. And I might say the same thing about the FISA court. Congress sits there. These judges on the FISA court uh, did this country a, uh, a very serious injustice in approving the FISA warrant four different times. Now, I understand the difficulty in holding hearings. I understand the Democrat Party uh, is the party of obstruction and evasion. So create a, uh, a special committee with certain members of Congress, including some Democrats. A smaller committee, not with 40-some members, that might make it a little bit easier. 
Maybe, maybe not. But you and I know McConnell's not about to do it, and Ryan's not about to do it. Because these are not constitutionalists. And neither are Trey Gowdy and the rest of them who parade across TV land. Now let me address quickly Michael Cohen. I see Professor Turley says the president is one more witness away from being in very, very serious trouble over there. No, he's not. Not in the least. I would ask Professor Turley to explain the two memos that came out of the Department of Justice in two different administrations. But even that aside, there's no criminal issue here whatsoever. Conspiracy to do something about an election, I heard some news guys say today. I don't even know what that means. I mean, let's just be blunt. The closest campaign that came to conspiring with the Russians was the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC that actually spent money for opposition research and used unverified sources and information from the Kremlin. There's none of that. None of that when it comes to Donald Trump. So you're going to see all these non-experts sitting as experts, giving you their opinion on the Trump Tower meeting with the two Russians and on and on and on, and I would encourage you to ignore it. Now here's one thing that's not being said. Michael Cohen. The only reason Michael Cohen is important is the only reason Stormy Daniels was important, and that is to attack the president. Michael Cohen either will be or should be disbarred. He's a desperate man. He has done something, apparently, for which the feds are investigating. I keep hearing about these medallions and taxis. I don't know what they're talking about. But you can be assured that if it had something to do with Russia or the campaign, that Mueller would not have handed this off to the Southern District of New York. But there was a piece just a few days ago in the Washington Examiner, which raises issues that I've been looking into myself. Michael Cohen's tapes of Trump could get him disbarred, experts say. Now that doesn't bother CNN. Any Stormy Daniels in a storm, that's fine by then. Attorney Michael Cohen could lose his law license as the result of secretly recording former client President Trump, experts say. And when I read this to you, when you think about it, understand why it is so vitally important to have a lawyer who keeps your information confidential, the principle of attorney-client privilege, and attorney work product. Because otherwise, you cannot get a a, a, a fair case, a fair hearing, a fair trial. If you cannot have a lawyer who is 100% your advocate. Now, if you hire a lawyer for the purpose of committing a crime, that's a different issue. But that's not what took place here. Despite the most aggressive and egregious spin by certain phony pseudo-reporters on CNN and MSNBC. You are allowed to pay somebody to be quiet. In the course of a business transaction, in the course of your personal life, whatever it is. You're not obstructing justice because there's not an investigation. 
You're not contributing to a campaign because you're not using campaign money, not even in-kind campaign money. These are events that took place prior to the campaign. And you're dipping into your own resources in order to to make a payment. You can make a payment through an LLC. You can make a payment directly. You can make it with a check. You can make it with cash. It doesn't matter. And yet they debate this endlessly. But imagine if your attorney could tape you, not for the purpose of protecting you, but for the purpose of having something on you just in case. You hire an attorney because you have a business issue you want to deal with, an employment issue you want to deal with, a, uh, a divorce matter you need to deal with, whatever it is, a custody case. You have every reason to expect your lawyer is not going to tape you. Now, in the 2016 conversation that, we're, that they're endlessly reporting about, took place in New York. It's perfectly legal to record. But not if you're a lawyer. I wouldn't be surprised if he was disbarred. Absolutely not, said Bennett Gershman, a former prosecutor in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and an expert on attorney misconduct at Pace University's law school. We have so many different scenarios where it's possible that he engaged in ethical misconduct. You start piling one episode on top of another, on top of another, I could see at the very, very least a suspension, said Albany Law School professor Vincent Bonaventure. I don't think they're going to slap his wrist if any of this is true, he said. There's a complex web of potential offenses within New York's rules of professional conduct for attorneys that Cohen may have committed, experts said. Dishonesty is one potential offense, experts said, including if Cohen helped Trump lie about an affair with McDougal. Or Cohen may have tripped a conflict of interest rule by recording conversations for his own benefit rather than his clients. Or he could have violated other rules in disclosing the conversations. Quote, obviously lawyers don't do this. This is extraordinary, probably unprecedented, Gershman said about secretly recording a client. The only reason he would do it is to protect himself. And protecting himself over protecting clients is something lawyers are not able to do. It's unethical. Dan Abrams, a New York City-based attorney who specializes in legal malpractice and business litigation, said a 2003 opinion from the New York City Bar's Ethics Committee refused to say secretly taping a client could never be ethically permissible, But they also said it would be rare to have circumstances where an attorney secretly taping a client could be ethically permissible. Rules 1.6 of the New York Rules of Professional Conduct requires attorneys to keep client communications confidential. But Abrams pointed to Rule 1.8b as saying, in sum and substance, a lawyer cannot use information gained in the representation to the client's detriment absent consent from the client. Attorney can be compelled to keep a client's secret, even if the attorney-client privilege does not apply to the secret, Abrams said. Not to get too complicated, that's a confidentiality rule. Confidentiality is even broader. And it goes on. And yet CNN keeps building up Michael Cohen. They keep building the guy up. 
He's absolutely disreputable. Whether or not he has formally violated any of the rules for practicing law in New York State, and I personally believe he has. Just my opinion. And that will eventually catch up with him. And when Giuliani goes on TV and he says he's already a dead witness, this in part is what he means. This in part is what he means. He's absolutely untrustworthy. And this kind of information would come up in any trial. But a trial for what? A trial for what? No offense has been committed by the president. I'll even go further. An indictment, by the way, is not a conclusion of the matter. No offense has been committed by Don Jr. or Jason or uh, Kirshner. No offense has been committed by anybody in the senior echelon of the Trump world. In this regard. I'll be right back. Mark in. So here's some exciting news. Simply Safe is now valued at $1 billion. This company used to be just five guys working together. The founder only started the company because he wanted to help his friends who were burglarized. Now it's worth a billion dollars. Simply Safe protects over two million people. And here's what makes them so great Simply Safe is comprehensive protection for your home with round the clock professional monitoring and police dispatch. You get protection against intruders, fires, leaks, and burst pipes. Simply Safe keeps working during power outages, downed Wi Fi, even if a burglar smashes your keypad. This system is easy to use, it's incredibly intuitive. Takes just minutes to set up. And with Simply Safe, there are no contracts or hidden fees. And 24 7 monitoring is only $14.99 a month. CNET, PC Magazine, and The Wirecutter all named Simply Safe their top pick for home security. Order your Simply Safe system now at simplysafemark.com. Simplysafemark.com. My listeners get free shipping and free returns. That's simplysafemark.com to protect your family and your home today. Simplysafemark.com. Donna, Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Donna, are you there? It keeps ringing through my head is how deep this scandal actually goes. The one I'm referring to, which is Spygate against Trump, which is the cover-up of Hillary Gate against America and Obamagate against America. And that's what gets lost in all the mishmash of the media that we're subject to day out, day in, day out, endlessly. And I want to thank you for just kind of honing in on the subject and giving us the, the details that we're not privileged to get from this lousy mainstream media. Well, world. I'll tell you this, Donna. Um, there's a couple of things going on here that we sort through all the time. We talked about uh, Trump and Russia and all the rest of this. And yet you're quite right. On the other side, there are no prohibitions to a criminal investigation uh, of what Hillary Clinton did. And, of course, they conducted a phony criminal investigation 
and her multiple violations of the Espionage Act. Can you imagine if Donald Trump had done any of that? They'd be hanging him from a telephone pole by his feet right now. Now, that said, um, there was no special counsel appointed to investigate that side where the FBI interfered in that investigation to protect her, as well as what the FBI at senior levels did in the case of Trump. Now, do you want to know why a special counsel wasn't appointed? Let's hear it, Mark. Because it would have been investigating the FBI and the Department of Justice and certain intelligence agencies. That's why. Can you imagine letting loose a special counsel on those departments? It would have been crazy, but it is now. So they would not, they would not want a criminal prosecutor with 17 uh, other prosecutors, basically an entire United States Attorney's Office, that's what they've recreated here, investigating Mr. Comey, Mr. McKay, Mr. Stroke, Ms. Page, and all the rest of them, investigating Loretta Lynch, Mr. Orr, and others, Sally Yates, over at the Department of Justice, investigating Mr. Brennan and Mr. Clapper and Ms. Rice and all those people who would have been investigated and all would have gone broke, spending millions of dollars defending themselves. That's why Mr. Rosenstein has chosen not to appoint a special counsel in a case where there is a criminal predicate, and yet where there wasn't one, he appoints one. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Let's go to Tom. Tom's River, New Jersey, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark, good to talk to you. I think you just hit on what I'm about to give a sermon on. The Democrats, they got their finger in the dike, and they're just dragging their feet. They have to come up with something because everything on their side is like jail time. Everything they've done is like it's obvious jail time, and they have to come up with something, and that's what we're going through. And thanks for talking to me, Mark. You're great. All right, Tom. appreciate your call, my friend. Let's go to Mike. Alney, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Yes, good morning, sir. Listen. Uh, good morning. Why, where, are you, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Alney, Maryland. Well, it's not morning. It's evening. Yes, it is evening, and uh, it's Alney, Maryland in Montgomery And County. it's happy hour where you are, but go right ahead. Yeah, you're correct on that issue. Uh, mm. Listen, uh, why is it the President of the United States exercising his power to fire Jeff Sessions, to put someone else in the place as Attorney General, that person would then subsequently fire Rosenstein. All right, why do you think he won't do it? That's a good question. I no, 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 you know the answer. Why won't he do it? He's afraid of the backlash. And what's the backlash? The backlash is these crazy progressives that are going to make noise. So what? Let them make the noise. No, the backlash, you say so what, sir? We've been through this with the Saturday Night Massacre several decades ago. The media hate his guts, the Democrats hate his guts, and half the Republicans in Congress hate his guts. They will impeach him and remove him from office. That's why he won't do it. Well, that's a darn shame because, you know, this, 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 this Mueller and his investigation, he's investigating. The- so basically, we right now have a rogue Department of Justice for many purposes. We have a rogue special counsel. Uh, Congress won't step up. And uh, the media are all for it. And so that's the situation we're in. It's very, very dangerous. I would, I would take the, uh, I would take the aggressive point, and just say, just. No, you wouldn't, sir. You've never run for anything. He's put everything on the line. You haven't. Well, that's true. 
You're no offense, young. but I mean, everybody sits at their dinner table and says, you know, if I were president, what I would do, but you're not. Yeah, you're right. But what's Your fam- Listen to me, please. Can you imagine what this man has been put through? What his family's been put through? What his staff has been put through? And everybody willy-nilly, well, if I were president, I would... All right, thanks for your call. No offense, I'm just pointing it out that I think that would be a bad move. I think what he does is he fights this Mueller all the way through the court system, and hopefully there's some justice. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The president said today... said, look, if we don't get some money to secure that southern border, uh, we're not going to get an appropriation bill signed. At least I'm not. And if the government shuts down, the government shuts down. The Republicans are frightened by such a prospect. Certain of the president's staff apparently is leaking, and they're frightened by such a prospect. And yet I can't think of a single government shutdown that it's occurred during a Republican presidency that has had an undue negative influence on the outcome of a succeeding election. You know, the last one in 2013 resulted in the Republicans picking up seats in the House and the Senate, but of course Karl Rove spun that because he hated Ted Cruz at the time. Uh, We could have done better, he said. Well, Karl couldn't because Karl and His boss, George W. Bush, lost the House and the Senate, which were Republican when they came into power in 2006, and we lost a lot of good people in that election cycle. But again, let's step back and look at this a little differently than than what you're hearing on TV and radio. Is it not important to secure the southern border for a thousand reasons? Law enforcement, national security, economic... Yes. Well, if you're president of the United States and you campaigned on it, you were elected by the American people for, among other reasons, to secure it, and the Democrats in Congress don't want to secure it. In fact, they want the opposite. They want open borders to ensure that they have a permanent majority, as as far as the eye can see. And then you have Republicans in Congress, again, who accommodate the Democrats by trying to demonstrate uh, that they are, um, they're not, the horrible people that the media say they are. Some of them have uh, tough districts. Uh, and some of them just lie through their teeth, telling you what you want to hear in an election, and then you have to go to Washington and reverse course. Must a president tolerate that? Now, Ronald Reagan shut down the government six times. He won two massive landslide victories, popular vote and electoral college vote. Sometimes you have to do what's right. But it's even more than that, ladies and gentlemen. The debt is out of control. Under a Republican administration and a Republican Congress, the debt is out of control. That budget that was signed 
was the worst spending bill in American history. They applauded each other. They patted each other on the back. The president did it because he wanted to fund the military. And he's tried to claw some of it back. But McConnell won't allow it. Paul Ryan won't allow it. But it's intolerable. Now, why is it intolerable? Because you talk about a government shutdown, you'll have a shutdown all right, and we'll never recover from it. Wrote a whole book on this called Plunder and Deceit. You young people listening to this program are younger people. This will destroy your future no matter what school you went to, no matter what your grades are, no matter how much you work, how much you save, no matter how responsible you are. What's going to happen is uh, the financial state of the federal government will pull everything down. The currency, savings, pension, everything. And when that happens, you'll also see a... Uh, a significant change in our form of government. You already saw it in the Depression with the New Deal and in the Great Society. You'll see more and more of a police state, more and more centralized power, and, of course, the individual will become uh, more and more irrelevant. That's what happens. And now we have a debt that is so massive, our fiscal operating debt is now over 21 21 trillion dollars. It's bigger than the GDP, which is about 18 trillion now. And unfunded liabilities, all the entitlement programs and the rest, are now over 230 trillion dollars. Are you aware that when the federal government puts together its balance sheet, it doesn't put the unfunded liabilities on it? Now, when you put together your balance sheet, if you have unfunded liabilities like a mortgage or whatever, you are required to. Or when a business does, it's required to. But the federal government specifically does not. So you don't really know the true financial state of the federal government. And the true financial state is horrific. Horrific. And so we... Even if we have a government shutdown, we're on a long road to correcting this. And in the meantime, we have a party which is embracing democratic socialism, or at least more and more so, and a media that celebrates it. Now, democratic socialism, there are no democratic socialist regimes. The more socialist, the less democratic. That's the whole point. Socialism is about government control. Government bureaucracy. Redistribution of wealth. A study was done of, this all will come together. A study was done of uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, Medicare for All proposal. Medicare for All, he says. And the study from the, uh, the reputable, highly reputable Mercatus Center at George Mason University in Virginia said that the Bernie Sanders Medicare for All proposal would cost, in addition to all the other expenses of the federal government, $32.6 trillion over 10 years. Over $3 trillion a year for the next 10 years. Our federal budget right now is slightly over $4 trillion. 
He's insane. The left are insane. Absolutely insane. It would destroy our health care system. It would destroy our economy and eventually destroy our form of government. There's no constitutional basis for any of this. None. And, of course, none of that is in any of the articles because nobody cares about the Constitution anymore. But the spending would be absolutely enormous, uncontrollable. This is before we get to free college. You can only imagine what that would cost. So if you want to destroy your country, if you want to destroy your way of life, you vote for these people like Bernie Sanders or the 28-year-old uh, moron in, uh, in New York. So this is what the left is pushing. And yet it's the Republicans in the last appropriation bill, omnibus bill, that passed the greatest spending bill not just in American history, in human history. And we're supposed to be worried about a government shutdown. Now, they tell us that essential personnel will still have to work. So it's a government shutdown with non-essential personnel temporarily staying home. Afterwards, they get paid anyway. Now, this is the kind of discussion I have with you that they typically do not have on my, my local home station in Washington because of all the government workers. But what I have found is a lot of government workers agree with me. A lot of them agree with me. The government is going to shut down. The economy is going to shut down if we do not get control over this debt and if we do not get control over the government. And this leads me to the next topic. You notice I am not going on websites and just pulling issues off and doing my Las Vegas lounge act. I leave that to other people. To my great consternation, I will not mention the individuals because I work for Fox and there's a lot of wonderful people there. I was watching the, uh, the network the other, the other night. And the issue of Convention of States in Article 5 came up. And our buddy, our buddy Mark Meckler was on, and he did an outstanding job. But he was interrupted constantly by two individuals who claim to be conservatives, who know nothing about Article 5 and Convention of States, who've read nothing about it, and yet who trashed it left and right. And all one of them could say is, well, I don't believe Mike Lee supports it. Well, I don't believe he supports it either. I love Mike Lee, but he happens to be wrong about this, in my humble opinion. But having written a book on this subject, the book on this subject, and having studied it very, very carefully, I'm appalled when there are people attacking this who don't even know what they're talking about and have no alternative whatsoever. How can you claim to be a constitutionalist when you take a piece of the Constitution and reject it completely? How can you claim to be a federalist, somebody who believes in federalism in the Tenth Amendment, when you really don't? And what's the solution? More elections and more judges. That's not a solution. It's barely a temporary fix. How many more Republicans are we going to send to Congress who vote for the biggest spending bill in human history, who refuse to secure the border? And 12 other, 10 other, 15 other major 
major issues. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hampton, New Hampshire, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? Yes, um, one quick quote, comment. Uh, Bernie's plan will cost $3 trillion, and there are 325 million residents in the United States. That turns out to $9,000 per capita. Family four will be paying $36,000 effectively for health insurance a year. And And let me tell you this. Everybody won't pay. So it'll even be worse for some people who he will claim are rich, who aren't rich. Maybe you'll have a two-income family. Uh, So people uh, who tend to vote Democrat will pay almost nothing, and the rest of us will pay far more than even you're suggesting. Yep. But that's the average cost per capita. And, and, And by the way, sir, imagine the quality of care that we would get. I mean, it's just incredible to me. Uh, I was at the, uh, thank you for your call. I was at the DMV today. Uh, I've had to do more traveling on the weekends than I typically do. And, uh, you know, I go through TSA. And as we all do. Now, my license, my driver's license, starts started to crack. And I needed a new one. One of the TSA ladies said to me, you know, it's starting to crack. You may get a new one. And she's right. So this morning, I found some time to go to my local DMV. It's packed. Uh, And by the way, I don't blame the people who work at the DMV. It's actually a tough job. These states give them a thousand things to do. And, you know, I don't blame them. But that's the point. It's a systemic problem. An hour and a half later, I got my photo taken. I gave them the information. They already have it on file. All I need is a replacement one. I have a temporary one now. They're going to mail me the other one, so forth, on and on and on. An hour and a half. Not because people were lazy. The people were working hard, quite frankly. They were moving quickly, as quickly as they could. They have a big board there with numbers and alphabet. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how they have it organized, but it wasn't organized poorly it just took a long time that's the problem that's the problem we can't even fix the va despite all the celebration that the va has been fixed the va will never be fixed i hate to tell you this it'll never be fixed you want to know why because it's run by the government like an old stalinist medical system it means some people will be taken care of some people will have good doctors some people will have good experiences But an awful lot will not. Some people will see their lives prolonged, but some people will see their lives shortened. And we've seen that, too. It's not a high quality across the board. It's just not. And it's certainly not as high quality as the private sector, where at least you used to be able to choose your doctors, your hospitals and so forth. Less so now because of the government. But can you imagine 100% control of our health care system? And they act like uh, you're going to get quality health care when you need it and how you need it. That's not how it works. 
When it comes to Obamacare, do they give a damn about you? No. Do they give a damn about the deductibles? They're massive. No. Do they give a damn about the premium prices? No. Do they give a damn about the fact that you don't have any choices? You know, if you live in California like my kids do, you basically have two choices and that's it. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Well, two choices does not make for a choice, really. It doesn't make for a choice, really. And I'm sure many of you have similar experiences. You don't need to call. I'm, 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 I'm sure you do. So all those compassionate liberal Democrats, where are they now? Nowhere. And where are the Republicans who are going to repeal it? Where are they? Nowhere. You get a single-payer system, it changes your country for the rest of time, changes the form of government for the rest of time, and changes your health care for the rest of time. Not to mention the never-ending expense. The never-ending expense. Let's go to George, Chicago, Illinois, the great WLS country. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, Mark, I love the show. Um, my point is about convention of states. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. However, if we don't have virtuous politicians, they'll violate the new Constitution. So I think we should just keep replacing Well, I don't right. agree. I, I believe we won't have virtuous politicians. But if you look at, for example, the reform amendments that I propose, uh, much of the powers move to the state legislatures. And... Uh, also, there are certain aspects uh, with respect to the Constitution, spending, borrowing, and taxing uh, that are enshrined in the Constitution with, with actual limits. So there wouldn't be uh, the ability for politicians to make decisions of that sort. They try and take language and twist it. So it's important that the language that is used is very specific. Moreover, you can't leave it to Washington to police Washington. And that's why, at least in the reform amendments that I propose, three-fifths of the states uh, have a power of a final Supreme Court decision. That is, they can uh, hold it null and void, and the states can uh, reverse certain uh, federal regulations, and the states will have a direct route, although difficult, for amending the Constitution uh, without having to go through a convention or without having to go through the federal government. So it depends what you do. If it is your position that there's nothing we can do, uh, then it's over. It is not. Sir, right. uh, my position is that they don't follow the Constitution now. They but I just explained to you, they don't follow the Constitution now. If they don't matter and some of the power re- re, uh, uh, is returned to the states... Then the they, that is the Congress, the bureaucracy, and the federal courts, in some instances, have little or no say, or are held to account or in check by the state legislatures. There's no other way to do this. I'll be right back. voice the liberals want to silence but you can talk to mark at 877-381-3811 looks like every college left-wing flunky now wants to run in a democrat primary to promote democratic socialism bet you'll never guess 
my favorite place to sit. Well, actually, if you've been listening to this show, I bet you know my favorite place to sit. It's on my new X chair. I'm sitting on it right now, behind the desk in the bunker. I sit in this chair probably seven or eight hours a day. Now, the X chair is not only the most modern and stylish piece of furniture I own, it is luxuriously comfortable. It molds itself to my body, giving me ideal posture, which in turn gives me more energy, better concentration, and more productivity than I ever thought possible. Don't waste another day in that generic chair you've been using. Get an X chair and feel the difference. And I might add, you want to keep your back healthy, your lower back, the middle of your back, your upper back, and your neck? This is another reason why I have my X chair, because I needed it to help me, and it has helped me a hell of a lot. And by the way, if you own a company, you can get them for the entire office and see how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become as a result. Now, here's a special deal just for my listeners. And that's no joke because X-Chair advertises here and here only. Go to xchairlevin.com right now. That's xchairlevin.com. You'll get 100 bucks off, $100 off. That's xchairlevin.com or call their toll-free number if you happen to be sitting in traffic. One eight four 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 X chair, one eight four 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 X chair. X chair comes with a thirty day no questions asked guarantee for complete satisfaction. So there's no risk whatsoever. And by the way, if you go to xchairlevin dot com right now and use code Levin Footrest, that's xchairlevin dot com. Use code Footrest. You'll get a free footrest. Or call them. And use code FOOTREST at one eight four 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 x chair one eight four 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 x chair or xchairlevin.com. I know you're going to love this. I really do. And uh, I wouldn't be saying if it wasn't true. And those of you who've now uh, acquired one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's continue. Let's go to uh, Diana, Springfield, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hey, we really appreciate everything you do here and stuff, and uh, you keep going and get them, get them, get them. <laughs> well, um, thank you. Really, Illinois, the land of Lincoln and the land of Little Dick Durbin. That's right. Well, look, yeah, Little Dick Durbin's right, you know, but um, uh, in reference to this Michael Cohen stuff, okay, so how can they, he, he violated his attorney-client privilege getting them tapes and stuff. I want to know how that they can use the, any use those anyway. Even though First he, of all, he nothing. violated confidentiality, not to be too technical, by making the tapes. And then he, in my view, he violated attorney-client privilege by turning them over, assuming they involve his client, not just the press, uh, to any government official. Uh, and um, your question is, how can they use the tapes? Well, we have a federal judge. He's extremely liberal in Manhattan. Her name is Kimba Wood, and she appointed a master who is also a very liberal woman who is overseeing this project of, uh, of uh, eviscerating what's left of attorney-client relationships, and she's calling the shots. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm listening. So she's well, sitting there as a special master and making the decisions, apparently. Now, the leaking, that's separate and apart— either Cohen or Lanny Davis and or somebody else in that circle. I'm not saying it's Lanny. I don't know. Uh, they're obviously leaking. Yeah. And that in itself itself uh, could be the basis for disbarment. 
And, you know, it's it's so important. These, this midterm election, I think, is going to be one of the most important that we've ever had, you know. And I just hope that – I hope that people vote Republican because if them Democrats get in charge, we're, in, we're going to be in big trouble, you know. You know, Steve Bannon said something the other day, or maybe it was today, I'm not sure, uh, which I have now been saying for some time. And that is, in this particular election, in this midterm, you better vote for Republican. Not because you expect them to secure the border, not because you expect them to cut the spending, because they're not. But in order to protect the President of the United States. Because if they take the House, it's over. They will. I know. I, I talked about this, I've talked about it repeatedly. They will bog him down in subpoenas and document requests and investigations, they will rip his staff to pieces. They will stop any, uh, uh, any, any appropriations bills from going through. They will shut down the government. We will have absolute anarchy. And you're right. The way that they treat this president, it's, it's unprecedented. I've never, ever seen or heard anything like they, what they're doing to this, this man. And the press is just out of, I mean, it's out of control every night. Because, oh. because it's not really a free press. And I've been spending a lot of time talking about this. In the sense that certainly they're free to broadcast, free to print, free to speak, that sort of thing. Uh, But it's not a free press in the sense that a free press was intended. Uh, What they're doing is making it more and more difficult for the republic to function. Uh, And what they're trying to do is is so uh, burden this president. Uh, When you see these people yelling questions, they're not really questions that we don't already know about. They're doing it to disrupt him, so to disrupt this presidency, undermine it, and sabotage it. I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? If the elections go okay and the Republicans stay in charge, that they'll finally be done with this Russian stuff. Because I, think oh, I don't, I, I don't know about that. Mr. Mueller is—he's—he's uh, he's not. He—he—he he, he doesn't exist as a consequence of any election, and that's part of the problem. All right, Diana, I appreciate your excellent call. Let's continue, shall we? Helen, Westchester, New York, the great WABC. Go. Mark, this is a great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Um, I, I, I was just listening to your last caller, and I wanted to just say something on that. Uh, the constant beat of the liberal drum is really starting to hurt the silent majority in this country. I don't think we're going to stand for anything if the House is taken over by the Democrats, it's not the end. Maybe just the beginning, because we have had enough. And there's Well, a maybe lot it's of the beginning out. of the end. It's not enough to have enough. It's not enough to have enough. There's only, we have people who are now ruling over us, and they do not want to give up their power. And if they get more power, it's one thing to be furious in the, in the privacy of your home, at your dinner table, in your workplace, in your own mind, and so forth and so on. But I do not want to, I, I can't overstate this, which is uh, we are, in my view, and I've been saying this, this is, and people read, Joe, what do you mean? We're moving towards a tyranny. We are in somewhat of a soft tyranny. That's not to say you can't see movies, you can't buy your iPhone, this, that, and the other. But when it actually comes to many aspects of your life, uh, the the circle of liberty is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, whether it's choosing health care, whether it's what your kids are free to say on college campuses, and, and on and on and on. 
So uh, it's not enough for people to say we're not going to put up with it anymore. Well, apparently we are. No. What are we going to do? Something a little more drastic, I believe, is on the horizon. It's happened before in America. and it's Yeah, but just- you know what? Um, uh, when societies collapse and everything you have uh, is destroyed or potentially destroyed, it's not a very pretty thing. And sometimes the good guys don't win. No. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. I very much do. Tim, Shreveport, Louisiana, XM Satellite, go. Mark, if I was to be able to pick Attorney General, you, you were the man. Thank you. Uh, I'd need a recess appointment because something tells me I'd probably get three votes in the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you were my first pick when President Trump was elected. But I, I feel like you made the statement about us uh, being insignificant. We already feel insignificant, and we feel like we can't do anything when you have politicians that lie. They lie against uh, the accomplishments of this administration. They lie about the uh, in their in their investigations. There, I mean. I don't understand how some. How do we hold them accountable? Somebody's there's got to be some way to hold these people accountable for all the lies they tell. I I want to send you a copy, so Mr. Producer uh, and Mr. Callsquare, don't hang up, Tim, of the Liberty Amendments, and I want you to become active in this in Louisiana. I think they ought to be in the government classes in every high school as textbooks. Thank you, thank you, very very kind. Don't hang up, Tim. Appreciate it. One of the things I love about doing this show is the the diverse geography, the diverse accents. And you know what? It makes me feel really great, and I hope it does with you, too. They were, talk, were talking to a lady from New York City, talking from a gentleman from Shreveport, Louisiana, talking to a lady from Springfield, Illinois, all conservatives, all constitutionalists, all patriots, all proud of their country. That should put a smile on your face, and that should uh, make you feel at least a little better. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, this Ronan Farrow, he keeps breaking these uh, sexual harassment stories. Um... His mother is Mia Farrow. And I believe the claim is that the father is Woody Allen. But maybe I'm wrong, but I see a lot of Frank Sinatra there. And Frank Sinatra, of course, was married to Mia Farrow, too. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not making any allegation. Although if it were me, I'd rather that than Woody Allen, but that's just me. 3.8 million Americans are reading in Primus for free every single month. I hope you're one of them. Because we can fix that right now. It's the very best and largest digest of conservative thought. And it's published by Hillsdale College. And you can receive it for free at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. In Primus, it's always outstanding, always free, as part of Hillsdale's efforts to teach all Americans how to pursue truth and defend liberty. Don't you wish all colleges and universities could do this? But only one does. And only one can. I think it's one of the most important publications in the country. I read it every month. We look forward to it showing up in our mailbox. 
This month's edition is particularly powerful, featuring Vice President Mike Pence's message to Hillsdale's graduating class. It's a message that will teach you, challenge you, inspire you. You really need to read it. Start reading in Primus and learn how to defend freedom, starting with the current issue. Vice President Pence will help ground you in the teachings and traditions that are our greatest heritage as Americans. The same teachings and traditions that are the surest foundation of a boundless American future. Visit levinforhillsdale.com to get your free subscription to Primus, no strings attached, levinforhillsdale.com. Now, if you like my show, you're going to love Primus. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. By the way, in September, I will announce the details later. I will be in California, in KRLA country, as we do each year. My wonderful kids are out there, my grandkids. But I'll be going there with my beautiful wife, Julie, and an event at KRLA, 870 The Answer. Again, I'll give you more details in the next few days and weeks, uh, but we very much look forward to seeing you there. And uh, it's a trip I much enjoy. All right, let's take some calls. Let's see here. Uh, ba -boom, ba -boom. Let's go to Israel in Morristown, New Jersey, the great WABC. Yes, sir, go right ahead. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that there's really nothing we could do other than the Convention of States. I want to suggest that in 99 days from now, there's actually going to be an election where the American people have the opportunity... All right, Israel, Israel we, we're well aware that the question was raised in the context of a systemic problem. And uh, in terms of dealing with the systemic problem, the out-of-control courts, the out-of-control spending... Uh, out of control uh, federal government generally and the uh, post-constitutional consequences of this uh, we are going to vote and we understand what voting means but that won't fix a uh, almost a hundred years of what the progressives have done to the constitutional order may I suggest how we can actually fix it in this election basically what the progressives have done they've taken over the power what we have to do, basically, is to vote for people that are not progressive. In fact, there is a way to do it by basically going across party lines and voting on principle and only voting for those who actually commit to restore the Constitution. Sir, sir, were you part of the Tea Party movement? There's an, actually a website where... Can you answer? No, no, no. no. I'm not going to let you hack a web, hawk a website. I asked you a question. Were you part of the Tea Party movement? Oh, I'm, I've been part of the people I'm moving. How, ma how, many, how many Tea Party conservatives did we send to Congress who turned on us? Oh, that, that is a problem. That's true. Oh, it is a problem. That is true. How many people have turned on us who said they're conservative and they turn out not to be? You can keep doing this, and you'll get the biggest budget in American history, and you'll have open borders and so forth. Uh, I will be voting Republican. Uh, for somebody who's a dear friend and I'm gravely disappointed in uh, because I want to protect this president and I want to protect the Constitution. And this, this effort to overthrow this president with, uh, with baseless impeachment charges uh, requires my vote to try and stop it. But I'm not going to um, say to my audience here uh, with some Pollyanna answer that just keep voting Republican and just keep uh, 
trying to do the best you can, appoint conservative or constitutionalists to, to the courts, and that'll fix it. That's not correct. It won't. If we vote for... Thanks for your call. Doesn't matter what I say. Because he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He doesn't want to get involved in the Convention of States. Look, I was active in the Reagan campaign in 76 and 80. I served in his administration for eight years. It was a golden period for this country. And he set a foundation on which the Bush family could have built. But they didn't. They lurched back to the Republican progressivism of Theodore Roosevelt. And so many Republicans since and before. And the fact of the matter is, as I've said before, we really have only had two conservative presidents in the last century. And that was Coolidge and Reagan. And hopefully uh, Trump will turn out to be one as well. But those are the only two. In the last century, we've had uh, soft progressives for the most part. And so we've now reached a point, in my view, where we need to use the Constitution to save the Constitution. You'll have people who write books and write articles and go on and on about progressivism, what a danger it is, where our country's going. And then when you come up with the answers and and some of the solutions, it's no, 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 you can't do that. Just vote. A lot of the never-Trumpers are that way. So uh, let us go to John in Los Angeles, 870 The Answer, KRLA. Go. Mark, thank you so much for supporting Convention of States. I saw that Fox News piece, and it was really disgraceful how they treated Mark Meckler. It's wrong. Um, I wanted to comment to you. And, and, And not only that, they were utterly ignorant. Absolutely. They didn't know what they were talking about. Just they were big government, and that was it. But I wanted to just comment to you. I feel as though the American people have lost the idea of being a citizen, and we're being forced into the old uh, 18th century subject model. Mm -hmm. That's what all of this large government progressivism is all about. And I have this on my personal level. I'm trying to convert my garage into a bedroom. And the amount of hoops that I have to go through simply in the city government Mm -hmm. to get a permit to change the structure of my own home that I'm paying the mortgage on and the property taxes on is outrageous. And John, makes- you might be right. You may well be right. All right, I hope you're wrong, but you may be right. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if a... If an attorney general or deputy attorney general can appoint a special counsel with no criminal uh, requisite whatsoever to investigate a president because they feel pressured to do so by the opposition party in Congress and by the media, uh, that will fundamentally alter the way our government functions or does not function. And we now have people in the government some in the bureaucracy, some in Congress, and we have people in the media. We're rooting for that outcome. They do not want 
uh, a president like Trump or conservative or Republican presidents to be successful. So they want to constantly dog them. They want to have this new precedent set. And I'm telling you, we can't recover from something like this. That's why the president should not sit down for an interview. That's why they should take it all the way up to the Supreme Court. That's why we cross our fingers and hope the Supreme Court knows what the hell it's doing. May not. When I get to this issue of the New York Times, Schulzberger, Schulzberger family and the Oaks family have owned the New York Times since forever. So the kid inherited his newspaper, the whole company, which is not doing well financially, I don't believe. And uh, this particular Schulzberger came into uh, power, effectively, in January. And he meets with the president. The president tweets about it, and then he says, look, I told the president that he has to stop criticizing the, pr- the press the way he's criticizing the press, or we're going to have some violence here. And I'm thinking, uh, have you not seen the violence against Trump supporters? The brutal attacks on Trump supporters who aren't bothering anybody? The most recent one in Hollywood, where the Trump star was destroyed and some Trump supporters went there and they were met by a mob and attacked? Have they not seen Antifa? which is a Marxist left organization and the violence, I mean, real violence that that organization does? Have they not told Maxine Waters to cut it out or Cory Booker now to cut it out about getting into the face of your members of Congress? I mean, the left is violent. The left is violent. Conservatives are not violent. Don't confuse us with neo-Nazis and Klansmen. That's not us. Conservatives are not violent. The entire Tea Party, the entire Tea Party movement, there's been no violence. Tens of thousands of people gathering peacefully, making their voices heard, lobbying their members of Congress. But for the New York Times publisher, To meet with the President of the United States. And then say he told the President, you know, stop criticizing the press because uh, you're going to create violence. Is really shocking to me. I do not understand why the New York Times is an institution in this country. Where all the other press types say they take their lead from the New York Times. Why all the graduates from journalism schools across the country want to work for the New York Times. They are working for a newspaper, and I've said it over and over again, a newspaper that was involved in one of the most egregious acts of any free press in our entire history. The cover-up of the Holocaust. There's the New York Times, printed in New York. It's called the New York Times. A well-known progressive newspaper. A well-known paper that supports Democrats almost exclusively. 
that purposely push stories about the Holocaust either to the back pages or refuse to report on them at all. An entire book has been written on this. A self-examination of the New York Times was done. I encourage you to Google it or Bing it or duck duck it or whatever and, and research it. How can the New York Times be the paper of record? How can the New York Times be the paper of any kind of a, uh, a record? How is it reputable? With a history like that. And that's not so long ago. And a newspaper that is going to cover up the Holocaust, because effectively that's what it did, how can it be relied on to tell the truth? It can't. And they were caught again. It's very strange. I've explained this to many of you out there who are not Jewish or Gentiles or atheists and so forth about leftists who are Jewish. How they, how they do not support the country of Israel, which is a Jewish state. Bear with me on this. Over at the Daily Wire, they have a story. New York Times makes reportedly false claim about Israel's founder refuses to offer a retraction. And it's this. They use David Ben-Gurion, one of its founders, its first prime minister, with a debunked quote talking about giving up land that it had conquered, quote-unquote, in the Six-Day War. And yet a transcript of the discussion that Ben-Gurion had says no such thing. But still the New York Times went with it and will not correct it. Why is that? Why is that? The reason is simple. Because the New York Times is run by self-haters. That's what I call them, as you well know. That's why. And they do exist. These are people who put their political ideology ahead of all else. And by the way, you find it among certain Catholics, certain Protestants, all religions. But I'm explaining it. And this is why the New York Times does what the New York Times does. There is a guy running for the Senate in Texas. And uh, Beto, whatever his name is. And he's been running around the state of Texas saying, look, I don't take PAC money and I don't support PACs and this, that, and the other thing. Turns out he does take PAC money. Turns out he did take PAC money. And he took it from an organization that's anti-Israel because more and more the Democrat Party and the left, this is where they're coming from. Is it not? Some of it is anti-Semitic. Some of it is not. But it is a growing movement within the Democrat Party because of the left and, quite frankly, because of our immigration policies, too. Just telling you the truth. Can't get fired for the truth, can I? So this Beto guy, turns out he got money uh, through and from an organization that spends its time attacking Israel and Israel's existence. And it's set up as a Jewish organization. 
The New York Times isn't going to report that. Guys running against Ted Cruz in Texas. New York Times isn't going to report that. And when Hamas, a terrorist group, recognized as such by the United States, does terrorist things on the Gaza Strip, which it controls completely and utterly, and pushes the women and children in the front, shooting at Israeli IDF, trying to burn the land around them, attacking people, and so forth and so on. News outlets like the New York Times play right into Hamas's hands because Hamas does this for publicity purposes. It has no care whatsoever about death, the people who die as a result of this. And news outlets like the New York Times are the mouthpieces for Hamas. This is why I say they have blood on their hands. Because these terrorist activities by these terrorist organizations that result in death and mayhem are done because they want nothing more than to draw the attention of the reporters and editors at the New York Times for front page stories and editorial support. So the gall of Schulzberger meeting with Trump And then saying he told Trump that his criticism of the press will get somebody killed or injured or create violence. What a pathetic, pathetic operation it is. I'll be right back. You know, on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin last night... It was a great show because we had the retired Lieutenant Colonel Adam, a- a- Alan West, and he was absolutely incredible. And I'm not going to play the whole show for you, but let's play one or two clips. Let's go to clip number one, Mr. Producer. Go. A lot of young men who have difficulty as kids and so forth, when they get into the military, it changes them. Oh, absolutely it does. It's, so it's, a, it's really an important experience. My father was one of them, too. You met my father. Yes. World War II veteran. And to make a long story short, eventually you decided to get into the politics. When did you decide to get into the politics, and what drove you to do that? You know, most of the folks in the military, we really don't care for politicians. As a matter of fact, if you were an officer and you got the assignment to be an escort for a member of Congress or whatever, it's probably because you had pissed off your commanding officer. Uh, that was not something that we saw as a you know, grand thing to do. But it was so interesting. I came back after the 2006 midterm elections uh, that the Republicans had lost, and a local woman by the name of Donna Brosmer said she wanted to sit down and talk to me, and she spoke to me about running for office. And, you know, my mindset was on, hey, look, I, I'm just here for a couple of weeks. i got to go back to Afghanistan. I'm down in Kandahar. I'm working with the Afghan army, Taliban all around us. But she said something that really resonated, Mark, and she said just because – you're out of uniform. Just because you've retired from the military, it doesn't mean that your oath of service has ended. And that struck me very hard because the oath that we take, the oath that my father took, the oath that my older brother took, the oath that my nephew took, was to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And if you truly believe in that, she was right. And so I embarked on this thing called being a United States congressman. 
not wanted to seek fame or fortune or, or a career in politics, but to continue my service to this country. When did you realize you were a conservative? Were you always a conservative? Well, this is the thing. And my parents were registered Democrats. Uh, I grew up in John Lewis's congressional district, which was very interesting when I presented that to him when I uh, was sworn in with the Congressional Black Caucus. But my parents raised me with conservative principles and values. They believed in faith. They believed in family. They believed in individual responsibility, good quality education, and service to the country. And I think if we start to have conversations in America, not about Republican or Democrat, and I really think the two-party system is falling apart, but if we start to talk to people on their principles and values about what makes this country so great, what, what enables a kid from the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, to be sitting here with such an incredible scholar like yourself on, on, on Fox News on, on a Sunday night, that's the American dream, and that's what we fight for, and that's what our founding fathers fought for. It is about an equality of opportunity instead of an equality of outcomes. And that's what makes us us conservatives. We believe that this is a great land of opportunity. And we just believe, as, as uh, Jefferson wrote, about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not someone else trying to guarantee your happiness. Outstanding. And we haven't uh, heard the last of uh, Alan West. Now, I'm fairly certain he's going to run for public office again. I don't have any inside track, I'm just saying. And our next guest, this may surprise you. Mr. Reduce, you ever watch the show on the History Channel, Pawn Stars, P-A-W-N Stars? Our next guest is going to be Rick Harrison. And Rick Harrison, you're going to see a side of Rick Harrison that you've never seen before. I haven't interviewed him yet, but he's become a very dear friend of mine. Uh, he and his wife and uh, my wife and I. and um, He's very philosophical. He is, well, I'm not going to give it away. He he is terrific. And it's just going to be one of those unique guests, and I think you'll find it extremely compelling, uh, as was Alan West. And Alan West is a really terrific patriot. And as I say, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him in the uh, in the near future. All right, let's take a call here. Do I have enough time, Steve, or not? John, Sebring, Florida, the great WMMB. Go. Hey, Mark, I love you, brother, man. What you stand for, and you're our leader in this nation, brother. Wow, the man who you. was just talking right there, I heard you talking with when he's talking about those are Goldwater Democrats that had a conservatism. Mm-hmm. If, to quicker up the education to these younger people, that want to go out here and they vote Democrat where the party of communism originates from, and we got them in the Republican Party. What about if we just quit calling Democrats and Republicans and start calling conservative and communism? And then maybe, <laughs> ooh, that'll ring a bell a little quicker out here in the public. Yeah, that'll get everyone's attention. And then All independence right. always in the middle, you know. Yeah, right. Independent of what, exactly? All right, John. Good call. I appreciate it. Let's continue. Jamie, Detroit, Michigan, Sirius Satellite. Go. Go, Jamie. Go. Talk to you, sir. Thank you. Pleasure to speak with you, sir. Thank um, you. My, my statement is, you know, the, the left keep talking about how we need to tax big business. Well, if you tax big business, they're going to do one or two things. They're going to lay people off or they're going to pass it on to the consumer. So yeah. not only are you going to pay more for the products that you buy, but you're also going to pay more in taxes because the liberals think we need to. 
Am I wrong on my way? Well, you're 100%. What is the biggest business in the country? The business of government. They're always telling people what to charge and how to make products and where to make products and when to make products, what we should buy, what we shouldn't buy. Who the hell are these people? Does this seem like a limited government to you? You know, when you hear the Marxist propaganda, tax the top 1%, tax big business, is that what it says in the Constitution? No. The purpose of taxation is to fund the legitimate constitutional functions of government, not to redistribute wealth. So we need to stand up to this. This is populism of the left, and we reject it. But how do, uh, the, how do the liberals not see that, though? I mean, how are they not thinking that you're going to be taxed twice? You know they don't what I mean? care. They, this they, is, they believe, because, Jamie, they're not like us. They don't think like us. They want that. They believe in it. They believe all freedom, all opportunity comes through government. And they also believe if their lives are miserable, it's because somebody's better, better off than they are. Somebody's more successful than they are. And they don't look inside. They're not circumspect. It's not them. It's somebody out to get them. It's somebody who stood in their way. It's some historical event and so forth and so on. I hope you folks saw my interview with Shelby Steele. He was absolutely outstanding several weeks ago. We'll be right back. To defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen. Boom! You just created nitric oxide, a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health, keeping you vibrant. But... As we all age, our bodies need help generating more natural nitric oxide. Super Beets, by human, has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets and created a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. This is very important. The core philosophy of human is to develop heart-healthy products for your body. One teaspoon of Super Beets daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without the need of a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real, healthy, natural energy. Here's what I want you to do. Try it. Call 866-205-4907. 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash Levin, superbeats dot com slash l-e-v-i-n and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply free 30-day supply of super beats and free shipping with your first purchase feel the one plus one equals boom effect of super beats call 866-205-4907 or go to superbeats.com slash levin today 866-205-4907 Four nine zero seven, or go to superbeats.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Now, I have a great affinity, a great affinity for products like Superbeats and also certain medical advances that use products that use 
advances to create a healthy body. Now, what am I talking about? Well, I'll tell you. Over the weekend, I learned about some incredible advances we've made in fighting cancer. And particularly renal cancer, R-E-N-A-L, cancer. And I know our food pharmaceutical companies come under a vicious attack, that they're making too much money. It's the same media, the same politicians who destroy everything, want to destroy them. Drug companies. And I know many of you feel that our drugs are too expensive, but let me tell you something. The vast majority of research that's done by these companies winds up with nothing. But when they come up with something, it is a big deal for the quality of life and longevity. And they've done this when it comes to renal cancer that metastasizes in somebody's body. And they have developed an infusion. And I think you've seen these commercials. They're very quick. They're not very detailed on TV. That shows a healthy human cell devouring, killing a cancer cell. And they've come up with this infusion that was just approved by the FDA not too long ago of two drugs. Because the cancer cell tricks the healthy cells. I'm doing this as a pedestrian, but I'm just making a point. The cancer cell tricks the healthy cells. And how does it do it? It tricks the healthy cells by presenting itself as a healthy cell. Presenting itself as a healthy cell. So your immune system and the healthy cells do not attack the cancer cell. And it keeps spreading, growing, and killing. So they had to figure out how to expose the cancer cell to the healthy cell so the healthy cells would see it as a danger and attack it. That's what they've invented. In addition, they've invented another drug that jacks up your immune system. That strengthens your immune system, particularly when you're elderly and your immune system isn't what it used to be. It's more and more difficult to fight various illnesses and so forth. And so they've created such a drug. And now they've combined these drugs in an infusion that goes directly into your system to kill these cancer cells that have metastasized in the body. Again, a certain type of cancer. But it is the cutting edge. It's brand new. It's now on the market. It's something they've been developing for years and years and years. And it's cost them an enormous amount of money. And now they will be saving lives, improving lives, lengthening lives. It really works. It really works. So I'm probably one of the lone voices in defending our pharmaceutical companies. And I would ask Bernie Sanders... Where do these drugs come from? Scandinavia? No. 
They don't come from Scandinavia. They come from large pharmaceutical companies. Not a socialist paradise. All they know how to do is redistribute, regulate, and tax. In this country, we invent, we create, we save lives. That's what these companies do. They save lives. This is a miracle drug. And there will be more. Many more. As they develop a better and better understanding of the human body. Uh, the, uh, the good aspects work and how the other ones work. It's absolutely incredible. It gives a lot of people a lot of hope. This was not available a short time ago. In fact, seven or eight years ago, they would have hit you with chemo and radiation, racked your body, and maybe it would help a little bit, maybe it wouldn't. They just weren't sure. And so before we destroy another magnificent private sector institution. Let's think about it, okay? Let's think about it. Let us go to West Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the great WPRV. Go. Yes, uh, good evening, um, Mark. Um, I've met Colonel West a couple of times, and he is a great man. And as a Navy veteran, I did forgive him for being in the Army. But yeah, right. the uh, the last time that uh, I saw him, um, I was uh, working on the cruise campaign here in Rhode Island. I was a co-chair, and I presented him with a mock-up bumper sticker that said "Cruise West." <laughs> but and? I think he'd already moved to Texas. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and I think if he chooses to run in Texas, he will win. Thank you for your call, West Dan, New York, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Good evening, Mark. You're, you're abs- a long-time listener and uh, really, really enjoy your show. You're absolutely right on about the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, they do a tremendous amount of work. There's a tremendous amount of investment in these drugs. And I think a lot of people forget what's returned back to the economy in people who are able to work, people able to go back into the workforce, and, of course, the huge effect that it has on these, these patients' lives. Uh, but we're really walking into a new era right now where these immune drugs are really going to cure a lot of patients. You're, you're an oncologist, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. This is a brand new, I mean, I'm not overstating it, am I, doctor? No, you're not. You're not. And in fact, not only for kidney cancer, for bladder cancer, uh, for a number of other cancers, when these drugs work, they work dramatically well. They don't work in everybody, and I don't want to give people false hope. It works about really in about one in four patients, but what it does, it's absolutely... Well, this latest combination works in about 85% of the cases, they believe. Yeah, yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, is that this combination is the one I think you're talking about. Uh, Europe just turned it down. That is the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Europe just turned it down for approval. It just shows you the differences in the systems. And... uh, uh, there was a lot of disappointment in the oncology community that, that did not get accepted. And they even have some uh, some really unbelievable pills that people take if the infusion isn't, if they don't react well to the infusion. I mean, oral pills. Again, nothing's perfect. They have some side effects. 
But who would have thought that 10 years ago? Well, it just, it just shows you what the investment in research does and what's ahead for us. Mm-hmm. And it's an enormous expense. People just need to understand. And uh, most of the time they come up empty. I, I look, at, well, look at the amount of investment in research they're doing now in Alzheimer's. Absolutely. And, and for the most part, but not, not exclusively, they're, they're coming up empty, empty, but they're making progress a little bit here and there. I study a lot of this just because that's what I do. And yeah, a lot of it's learning how to use the drugs, how to use them properly. If you look back into the 1960s about some of the drugs we used then, we really didn't know the right dosage and the right schedules. And as, as the research developed, we were able to cure, for example, testicular cancer. And mm-hmm. nobody, very, very rare, is it, is it, or very rarely, do people die from testicular cancer these days. I won't pronounce this well. It's one of them is spelled N I V O L U M A B, Nivolumab. Nivolumab. Yeah. And it's combined with I P I L I M U M A B. Ipilimumab. There you go. Why do they make the name so complicated? But anyway, they combine these two. And uh, the FDA approved it using it as a first-line drug. You know, you used to have to try other things. Two months ago, they moved it through quickly. And, uh, you know, they they had a number of patients, well over 1,000 patients, and it had a, a significant effect. So there's opportunities out there, my friend. Absolutely. And uh, without these companies, I don't know where we would be. And, you know, people accuse, oh, you just like corporate. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with it. It's if you're compassionate, if you're humane, you've got you've to embrace capitalism. You've got to embrace the market system, private property. It works. All right, doctor, thank you for your call. And some of these doctors, let me tell you, I don't know how they show up every day. Cancer doctors. Every day. Um, my stepdaughter's going to uh, medical school. Her first year, she's absolutely brilliant. These kids work so hard, and for years, and it's so competitive. And then after four or five years of that, then they are at the lower rung of the ladder, uh, when they work in these various hospitals and assignments and so forth. And then after several years of that, they're at the very lowest rung of the ladder when they when they join an office or open their own office and so forth. So they put in an enormous amount of time and expense to become doctors. I know we're supposed to hate doctors too. I know we're supposed to hate everyone who's successful, anything that works in the name of big government, uh, and egalitarianism. I, I reject it all. We'll be right back. Lovin. You know, uh, we must be doing something right, you and I, folks. I started this uh, Fox show. We announced it. Last year in November, he started in February. The long-form interview we've brought back, which has been uh, so desperately needed in my view, on Sunday nights. Now other people are doing exactly the same thing. There's one problem. 
They're not me. I don't copy anybody. Before that, about three years ago in my living room, we decided to hatch a really special digital TV network, uh, different than anything that's ever been out there. And we started it with Levin TV. We wanted to see how that would work. Well, it worked incredibly, fantastically. And after seven months, we decided to create a network around it called CRTV, Conservative Review TV. There are now 20 hosts. And many, many of you are subscribers. And then, of course, they're the knockoffs. They're out there, too. Go with the real deal. You don't need to go with the copycats. Go with the original thinkers. And join us at CRTV. You've been watching cable, for the most part. It's driving you nuts, isn't it? You've been reading stories on the web. They're driving you nuts, aren't they? Well, they drove me nuts, too. And so many of you. Which is why we started Levin TV and then broadened it to CRTV. Now, we don't carry water for anybody, including the president. On the other hand, we don't believe it's our job to destroy the president and his, his presidency either. We're for America. We want the country to succeed. We are patriots. There's 20 of us. Different personalities, different approaches, different ways of communicating and entertaining. But we believe in this country. We believe in this country. We're like the anti-CNN or the anti-MSNBC. Now, I'm hoping you'll join us. I'm hoping the Levinites out there and you know who you are, who've heard me talk about this, that this will be the day and time when you participate in this. And after you sign up, you're going to ask yourselves, I I mean this, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I do this sooner? Because I think you're going to love our little network. You can watch us on your handheld devices, on your smart TV through Roku, if you have a PC, an iPad. Uh, I can't even name all the devices. You can watch us through... uh, Apple and so forth. And what we're going to do is, and I've mentioned this recently before, we're going to offer you a 30-day free trial. 30 days. So you sign up. If you don't like it, you can drop it. But I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to love it. And I think these are the times, these are the times that test us. And so with all the hosts, and particularly Levin TV, I really think you're going to enjoy it and you're going to learn a lot. So here's what you do. All you Levinites out there, let's see if we can't get at least a thousand of you to respond. Call 844 Levin TV, 844 L E V I N TV. We'll get you set up in less than five minutes. It's not complicated. It may seem, we'll walk you right through it. We have the best customer service folks, period. They're patient, and they understand that this is, for many of you, the first time you're going to do this. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Now, some of you who are my age, maybe you're 60, 65, this makes you nervous. You don't really know how to do it. It's all new to you. We'll walk you through it. Don't worry. What? So, uh, so I hope you'll take the opportunity today to jump in. That's CRTV. Call 844-LEVIN-TV, 844 844- Levin TV. Let's see. We have less than a minute left. Let me just see if there's anybody who's been waiting forever. Louise, 
Oakview, California, Sirius Channel. We only have about 30 seconds, but I wanted to take your call. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I just wanted, I got in the car and I heard you talking about renal cell cancer and the clinical trials. And I am in a clinical trial uh, through the Angelus Clinic down in Los Angeles. I have to go. And let me just say, I wish you all the best. I really do. And all the people who've called here as well. You are a you are a fighter, and you're going to do just great, Louise. I salute all you folks out there, all our heroes, too. See you tomorrow.